0: Um, But I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. And I I don't have to worry about, well, did God wake up in a bad mood today? and he going to hang on to me or not? We're kept, the Bible says, we're kept by the power of God. Thank God for that. Well, let's go back to Isaiah 64, and I just want to really just bring one thought out of this passage that we looked at this morning in a little more detail, we're praying for revival, I hope we're not just praying, I hope we're preparing, Um, it's like those two farmers, there's a dry spell, and uh, they needed rain really bad, and so they had prayer meetings, and Praying for rain, and uh, one one fellow was going down the road, and he noticed his farmer buddy out there planting. And uh, he said, "What are you doing, man?" He said, "There's no, we hadn't had any rain. This soil's not, you know, good to plant in." And he said, uh, "Well, I'm praying for rain, but I'm planning on rain." And uh, a lot of times we pray. But we don't pray in faith. And then we're surprised, we're shocked when God answers our prayer. <laughs> kind of like when Peter was there in prison. And the Bible says prayer was made for him of the saints. They're all gathered at a house, at Mary's house, I believe it was. They're praying, and uh, praying that God would deliver Peter from prison. And God does. Peter goes by the house to interrupt the prayer meeting, knocks on the door, and a young lady named Rhoda answers the door. And she was so happy to see Peter, she didn't let him in. She was so overcome with emotion. She runs inside to tell the rest of them, Peter's here, and they say, oh, don't interrupt the prayer meeting. We're praying for Peter. We can't uh, allow something like the answer to our prayer to interrupt our prayer meeting. But they didn't believe. They were praying, but they, didn't, they could not believe that Peter was standing there. And you know, uh, we laugh and we chuckle and we kind of get a little judgy thinking about them. but how often do we pray and we're not really believing that God's going to answer prayer? Let, let, let me just say this, and I want you to think about this. How many times in your life have you prayed for revival? Now, maybe it's once or twice, maybe it's one or 2,000. Maybe you pray for revival every day. How surprised would you be if we had it? We don't pray in faith believing. We pray because, and we pray for certain things because we know God wants us to, which is nothing wrong with that, but we ought to expect God to answer our prayer, amen? And he wants to answer our prayer. Really, the only thing standing in the way is us. So, Isaiah 64, and I want us to read again, we're just going to read down through verse 4 this time, starting in verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, thou camest down. It seems like they weren't looking for him. That's what it sounds like. Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard Nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. We talked a lot about praying this morning, and now I want us to think about waiting. Praying and waiting. We want to have revival. The Lord says you're going to pray and then wait with expectation. If you don't expect someone to come, you don't wait for them too long, do you? And uh, if we're really serious about revival, there's going to be some waiting that's going to have to take place. What does it mean to wait? Well, let's look at the Word of God today just for a little while and see what He's talking about when He's saying, I've got something special prepared for you, if you'll wait for me. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Again, we come to you. We need you. Speak to us now from your Word, God. I pray that we would believe what we read, and believe what you say to us through the Word of God today. Lord, I pray that our desire and our hunger for for revival would be greater than our hunger for food or anything else. God, I pray that we would desire, as we spoke of this morning, that we would have a desperation for revival. Not as if it's something that we could take or leave, but, Lord, that it's something that we need to, to survive. Revival for survival. God, I pray that we'd understand how desperately we need you. Our families need you, our churches, our nation God, please help us to understand what it means to wait on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This verse, as I mentioned this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because I want you to see the quote from this in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Lord says in Isaiah 64, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. That's what he says in Isaiah 64. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. But as it is written, where was it written? Isaiah 64. As it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, this is not a misquote. This is not, oh, they got it right in the New Testament, or they had it right in the Old Testament, and they missed it when they translated it in the New Testament. No, that's not at all, the fact. The fact of the matter is God is giving us what we call further revelation on the matter. The New Testament gives us greater revelation of what the Old Testament says. And we see it no clearer than in the passage before us. The Lord said, I've got something special for you. I've got something that you have not seen before, that you have not heard before. That you've not experienced before, and you'll get it if you wait for it. In the New Testament, he says it this way I've got something for you that you've not seen before, you've not heard before, it's not even entered into your heart. I've got prepared for you, and I'll give it to them that love me. Yeah, I was thinking about that. What is the difference between loving and waiting? Well, you could say it this way, if you really love someone, you'll wait for them. Is that right? If you're really in love with someone, I don't like that expression, but people understand what I'm saying when I say that. If you're really in love with someone, you'll wait for them. I believe if we really love God, we would wait for him say, what are you saying, preacher? What are you talking about? Well, let me show you an illustration in the Word of God. Illustrations help me to visualize things. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. You say, what, what what is this special thing that he's got prepared for us that we need to wait for? And what is this special thing that he's got prepared for us if we love him? Well, in the context, it's his presence. It's his presence. It's his dwelling among us. It's his empowering of us. It's to reveal himself to us. Now, in Luke 24, look what it says here in verse 49. Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is what he says. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. So, the word tarry, what does that mean? Wait. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Know what he's telling them? There's something you're going to have to wait for, and I want you to be in the right place and i want you to be ready and waiting for the for what he calls here the promise of the father be ready to receive the promise of the father but you're going to have to tarry you're going to have to wait now you know what they did not do very well they didn't wait very well you know why because they're human Let me tell you something about one of the scourges upon our day and our culture and our day. We can't wait for anything. We want something? We got Amazon Prime, baby. Tap. We just spent three weeks in Philadelphia. They will deliver it to you the same day in these big urban cities You order it, and it's at your place before the day is over. Instant gratification. That's the word of the hour. And we can just tap it, we can just click it, we can just pick up the phone and call, and we can have whatever we want whenever we want it. Guess what? There's no screen that you tap to get God's presence. Amen. He's not at our beck and call. What, what, this, what this new church, emergent church is what I call it, and uh, this, this newfangled church, amen, what it's pushing, it's pushing a consumer-friendly God. That, that God will do whatever you want, whenever you want, And you can have whatever you want. Listen, friend, when when Jesus went back to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, I want you to wait. And you just stay right there until the promise of the Father comes upon you. And he said, in that moment, you'll be endued with power from on high. Look at, uh, look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to give you the principle, and then I'm going to give you just some encouragement. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, I, I was thinking about this, brother. I've appreciated these prayer times at the beginning of the service. And I'll tell you, This morning, when we had the first one during the morning service, in my mind I thought I knew Rachel was sitting up at the piano. I thought, well, why doesn't she play? You know, just have a little music playing while we pray. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know what I realized? We don't like quiet. We don't like quiet. We got to have something going on all the time. We have to have something moving all the time, something playing all the time, something going on all the time. We have lost the ability to quietly wait before God. Look at Acts 1, verse 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, and look at this phrase, through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Listen, if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost to give commands, so do we. Amen? There is no substitute for the Spirit-filled life. None. No amount of education, no amount of training, no amount of personality, nothing replaces the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave commands. Now look at verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. If your Bible doesn't have the word infallible there, you don't have a Bible. Throw it out, get, get something that's a, that's a Bible. Uh, they, they, they will replace this infallible with convincing. You know you can be convinced of a lie, amen? There's a lot of people convinced by a lie, I I almost got political there but I didn't. But I guess I did because I explained that I didn't. You can be convinced of something that is not true, there's a difference between convincing And infallible, infallible means there is no fallacy, there is no no error in what's being said. It's a bulletproof truth, amen? Many infallible truths, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but what's that word? Wait, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That word days would knock us out. We don't have days to spend to wait for God. We don't even have five minutes at the start of a service to wait for God. I'm just saying that's our flesh. We I, I'm not a long preacher, usually. I'm usually not, am I? Am I guys? I'm looking at people who don't hear me all the time. I'm not a long preacher. No. But but you know you know what we've done? We have, we have told God, you have 60 minutes or you have 90 minutes. You know, the real spiritual churches, we might give them 90 minutes. We might even give them 100 minutes if we're real generous. And you've got this amount of time to do something in our midst. What if God said, I want days Well, preacher, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, we're here on Sunday afternoon. I know. So we got three or four days this week that we've set aside for what we're calling a revival meeting. Now, it's a meeting. Whether it's revival or not is really yet to be seen. It's a meeting. What if God said, I want these days. You want me? I want these days. Give him these days. Give him these days. You say, What are you talking about, preacher? Whatever God is telling you when I say give him these days, give that to him. He said, Not many days. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Not many days. But if he said 40 days, that's still not too high of a price to pay. Right, right. Moses went up on that mountain and 40 days he met with God. He came back from that mountain and he, his face was aglow with the glory of God. He was so consumed with the presence of God. They said, hey, Moses, you got to cover that up. It's too bright. It's too powerful. We can't even look on you. You've been with God. You've been in the presence of God. I want that. I want that. Not not so I can say, well, look at me. Look at No, I want Him. I want His presence. I want His power. I want His purity. I want him to fill every part of me. I want him to drive out flesh. I want him to have his way in my life. I want him to make himself real to my children. I want to see souls get saved. I want to see saints revived. Well, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. wait. We're in such a hurry that God does not fit on our calendar anymore. Now listen. Look at verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou, what's the next three words? At this time, restore again the kingdom to Israel? You know what they're still concerned about? We want it now. We want it now. Lord, and listen, I'm in agreement. I would like for the Lord to come back now. I would like for his kingdom to be established. I would like for him to clean house down here and set up a kingdom that's, uh, that's established and whose foundation is righteousness. Wouldn't you? Sure, that's what we want. But God had something else in mind. And they're still like, we, we, want, we, want, we want it now. We want the kingdom now. Will you right now restore the kingdom? You know what God was wanting to do? He was wanting to get the kingdom inside of them first. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what he said. Will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. I don't know how he could be any more plain than what he just was. And all these Jehus running around trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Amen. I if, if I offended you by calling your favorite preacher a Yehu, I don't apologize. Why are wasting your time with all that stuff? It's not for you to know the times or season. Not for me to know the times or season. We're all concerned about the when. This is what he says. It's not for you to know the times of the season, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he tells them, I've got something special for you. And it's something you can't imagine, it's something beyond your wildest dreams, it's something beyond what you could even think or ask, but it's so special. It is power from God. It's the revealed presence of the Lord. That's what they were praying for in Isaiah 64, and that's what he told them to pray for in Acts chapter 1. They were praying and they were waiting. Praying and waiting. You know, it's uh, interesting to me. I don't know how many people we had here this morning. But there's a larger crowd than what we have this afternoon. I was thinking about this. And you know, we're so we offend so easily that, that some of us got a little, what's he gonna say? Can talk bad about the people who aren't here this afternoon? We offend so easily. We're so offended all the time. But I was thinking about this. When Jesus was walking in this earth and ministering, preaching, performing miracles, cooking meals. There were multitudes that followed him. Multitudes. Multitudes. And at the end, when Jesus went away, there's a handful of disciples left. Just a handful. There's 120 in the upper room, which to us is a big crowd in these days. But when you compare it to a multitude, it's not that many. There's 120 in the upper room. 120 out of a multitude said, we'll wait. We'll wait. I wonder this afternoon, and I'm wondering this for myself. How willing would I be if the Lord said, Mark, I want you to wait inside that church building for the rest of the day. Well, I got things to do. I know you don't think I do. You just think I just travel around and preach in church all the time. I got things to do. I got things to do today when I leave here. I wonder if the Lord said, I want you to stay right here, scrap everything else you're planning to do and stay here. Would I be willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? he said, I want you to stay there all night. I want you to stay in prayer all night and wait for me all night. Would we be willing to do that? It's so foreign to our minds to even think that way. Why is that? Because we don't need it. we can live without it. We have all these years. Why do we need it now? The devil has convinced us that things are okay just the way they are. And listen, I'm here to tell you, we need God more than we need our next breath and our next meal. We need the power of God, we need the touch of God, we need the presence of God in our lives? Are we willing to wait? You know what he said in 2 Timothy 4? He said, I've got a crown for those who love is appearing. I'm talking about waiting and loving. There's a connection. My son is engaged and uh, set to be married October 1st, October 1st. He's excited. To put it mildly, he's excited. We're excited. It's our first one married. First one out of the house. We're excited about him being out of the house. No, I'm just kidding. What we're really excited about is grandkids. Amen. That's what we're really excited about. No pressure. But I'll guarantee you, if he knew, her name is Sarah. If he knew that Sarah was going to show up here sometime between now and tomorrow, He would not leave the premises. I guarantee you. You Wait for her. Why? It's a big deal to him. She's important to him. He loves her. I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, Jesus is with me all the time. I can meet with him here, I can meet with him there, and I can, this and that and the other and the other. We're so casual about it. We're so casual about it that we don't appreciate his presence. This is a song by William Cooper. You might pronounce his name Cowper. But you find his name in the the hymnal. Um, There is a fountain filled with blood, written by William Cooper. Here's another one of his songs. It's entitled, Where'er Thy People Meet. This is what it says. Jesus, where'er your people meet, there they behold your mercy seat. Where'er they seek you, you are found, and every place is hallowed ground for you within no walls confined are dwelling in the humble mind such ever bring you where they come and going take you to their home dear shepherd of the chosen few your former mercies here renew here to our waiting hearts proclaim the sweetness of your saving name Here may we prove the power of prayer, to strengthen faith and sweeten care, to teach our faint desires to rise and bring all heaven before our eyes. Lord, we are few, but you are near, nor short your arm, nor deaf your ear. O rend the heavens, come quickly down, and make a thousand hearts. Your own. I believe with all my heart that it's the Lord's chiefest desire to fellowship with man. Now, there's a thousand questions. What is revival? There's a thousand answers. But I do know this. At the end of the day, He created us to fellowship with him. He created us to walk with him. You say, why did God create man? Look at Adam and Eve. What did he do with them? He walked with them in the garden. They heard his voice. They spoke to him, and he spoke to them. And with all my heart, I believe that's all he wants to do with us now. To this day, He wants to walk with us. He wants to meet with us. He wants to reveal himself to us. I don't know what all he told uh, Adam and Eve in that garden. I don't know what all they saw. But I have to believe it's more than what we're seeing now. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want to fellowship with him. Just as when Moses met God on the mount, he was revived. That's what will happen with us if we'll fellowship with him. Now here's the question. Will you wait for him? Will you wait for him? Say, wait where? Wherever he tells you to. I got a full day of work tomorrow. Maybe he wants you to get up early enough to just wait for him for a while. You know, we talk about fasting. And we don't talk a lot about it, but we do talk about it. And we usually think about food, fasting from food. You know, you can fast from sleep. Now, some of you said, well, I've been in VBS. I've been fasting from sleep all week. I don't know what the Lord will tell you to do this week but this is what I've this is what I've come to know and believe. God is going to speak to your heart about something specific during the week of revival meetings, a way that you can show him that you're serious about meeting with him. Something to lay on the altar, something to turn off or something to begin or something that will set God apart In your heart. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Something to let him know, God, you've got a place in my heart that no one else has. And I'm willing, I'm willing, like these disciples, like this prophet, Lord, we're just gonna wait for you until you come down, until you fill this vessel. Until you revive my spirit, I'm just going to wait before you. Waiting doesn't earn you any awards with men. Nobody says, well, he's a real good waiter unless he's bringing you food. Nobody what, you say what I'm saying what are you saying preacher I'm saying nobody notices you waiting before God You don't get the praise of men you don't get pumped up as a great spiritual leader or any of these other things it's just something between you and God For you're desperate for God you say Lord I'm waiting I'm praying and I'm waiting And I will wait as long as I need to wait before, uh, in order for you to come fill this vessel, to endue me with power. So I'm not preaching. I don't need power. You're living. You need the power of God on your life. You need the filling of the Holy Ghost in your life. But for, for too many of us, for too much of the time, we do not have time for God. We do not have time. We got our Bible calendar, and we read our little verse on the Bible calendar and hope that that is sufficient for the day. And we just don't have time for God. I'm pleading with you, in these days, make time for him. Make time for him. We're praying he'll rend the heavens. We're praying he'll send revival. We're praying he's, he'll do something that we can't do. We had our bus towed the other day. And I had to sit there and wait for him. We waited seven hours on the side of the highway. Seven hours. And you know, it was frustrating. Because I called. I said, okay, we're going to get somebody out there. Go through all these things, you know. And they called back back probably a dozen times. Different information and all this stuff. Because it's a big bus. I mean, you can't just come out there with a little rinky dink, you know, made or tow truck and tow you away. But I was getting frustrated. Frustrated. And then every time they called, the price went up. Well we didn't know this. And so well that's going to be a little bit more. Then we get well we've got about seven miles to take it to and then well but we're you're facing the wrong direction on the highway. So now it's fifteen miles. And so every time and I was just so frustrated I was ready to just say forget it. Just forget it. I don't want to deal with you anymore, and I want to hang up the phone. But you know I didn't do that, Brother Frank. You know why? <laughs> you get away with exactly. He could do something I couldn't do. He had the means to get that bus off the road, and I did not. And so you, don't, you know what I did? I waited. I wish I could say I waited patiently. But I didn't. But I waited. Why? Because he had the power and I did not. You know what we're doing? We're just hanging up the phone. Click. You offended me. The price is too high. I can't pay that price. I'm not willing to do that. And you know what we do? We remain stuck on the side of the road. We're spiritually stuck. We're spiritually dead. We're spiritually inept because we don't want to pay the price. We don't want to wait. We don't, well, I'm not used to waiting. I could just beep, 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 and there it is. There are some things that only God can do, and revival is one of them. And if we want revival, we just might have to wait. Maybe wait up at night. Maybe get on the altar and wait before God. You do realize that you can pray past the piano playing. At the old, for years, I didn't know that. It's just, again, you know, I'm, you're going to think I'm picking on Catholics. I'm not picking on Catholics, but we've become very Catholic in our rituals. We, okay, we've got two songs, then the offering, then the message, then the invitation. When the piano plays, we're done with invitation and we go home. It could be that God's going to say something this week. Hey, you know what? Just be still. Just be still and know that I'm God. Just be quiet. Just be still before me. Just wait. Just wait. Oh we got to do this. We got to do that this is the next thing this is the next. Just wait. Get in the car. Don't turn on the radio. Just wait. I know that doesn't sell me CDs this week, but that's okay. I'm not here to sell CDs. I want revival. Heavenly Father, you are a great God, and we stand amazed in your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would help us also to be still in your presence. I pray that our minds and our hearts. would be calmed before you. Lord, we are desperate for your work. We are on the side of the road, stuck. Without your power, we won't move another inch. So God, I pray that we'd not grow impatient with your work, that we'd be still before you, that we would love you enough to wait. We'd trust you enough to wait. God, not only in this issue of revival, but many of us with different needs in our lives, relationship issues, lost loved ones, Lord, we, we many times we get impatient and we quit because we don't see you answering in our time. We want you at this time to set up the kingdom. But God, your plan is so much bigger than what we can comprehend, and your timing is always spot on. Mary and Martha thought you were late to get to Lazarus, but you were right on time. And God, I pray that you would help us to rest in your provision, your power, your wisdom, your timing. And Lord, as we pray for revival and we prepare for revival, help us, dear God, to be prepared to wait. And in your time, you make all things beautiful. So God, help us to trust that in Jesus' name. This altar is open. I invite you to come. God spoken to your heart.